Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to Alamo City Limits Podcast with Noah McGarrow-George, the official San Antonio Spurs podcast of Pounding the Rock in SB Nation. What's going on, Spurs fans? Welcome back to another episode of Alamo City Limits, the official San Antonio Spurs podcast of SB Nation and Pounding the Rock. As always, I'm your host, Nomogaro George. That's my co-host, Damian Bartonek. And today, we've got an emergency pod on our hands as the San Antonio Spurs traded all-star point guard DeJounte Murray to the Atlanta Hawks. Dame, there have been a ton of rumors, probably for like the last couple of weeks, about potential deal this, potential deal that. They actually pulled the trigger. They sent him to Atlanta. How do you feel now that Pop and the front office have moved on from DeJounte Murray one day before free agency starts? Noah, Noah, Noah. So (laughs) our first podcast together, for those that have been listening for a while, uh, I mentioned after the primo pick that I think DeJounte, Derek, and Yaka Pirtle uh, were the present, uh, but they weren't going to be the future of this team. I think that was going to be guys like Primo, Vassell, Keldon Johnson. And uh, it's looking like that's coming into reality, right? It was a great move on behalf of the Spurs, in my opinion, especially if the reports about Brian Windhorst uh, or from Brian Windhorst are true that you know Dejounte wasn't going to resign, right? This summer or next summer, this is <laughs> this makes all the sense in the world. Then, right? Uh, you move on from a guy who we know his limitations. We know he's a you know he's an All Star, uh, regardless you know whether it's replacement or not. You're still going to give him the fact that he's an All Star caliber player. But when you look at it from a broad perspective, the Spurs just gained three first-round picks for a non-superstar caliber talent. Uh, in the NBA, I don't know how often you're going to get that, right? I, the Bucks got, what, two firsts, right, Noah? Two firsts and a couple swaps for Drew Holiday? I mean, the, the Pelicans got that for Drew Holiday? Uh, I, Something I mean, like that, yeah. Yeah, like, I think for San Antonio to be here in this position, you know, kind of looking back at, you know, the Derek White trade, the DeMar DeRozan trade, Dad Young trade... Man, they've accumulated so many assets, and this is a team that's been needing to rebuild something new, something fresh, like a great woman in your life just makes everything better. They needed something like that, right? They needed just an influx of life, and that's what this kind of move does. Regardless of how you feel about this team and where they're headed, the point, the fact was always the same. With a guy like DeJounte Murray as your best player, you will never, ever make the sausage in terms of going to the finals. You'll never actually contend. And the Spurs, that's what they want to do. They don't want to be the, the the Pacers of the West or or the Magic of the West from a couple years ago. The goal, if the goal is to contend and to be that kind of talent, that kind of that kind of team, you need to make proactive moves like this one. And I think this move, Noah, you asked, you know how I, you asked how I felt or what I thought. Man, I, I 
you know, not I'm not going to, you know, curse, but I'll just say it's about damn time. I mean, finally, right? If, if you're a Spurs fan, you should be very, very thrilled with not only the compensation they received, but now they actually really do have a direction. And they're and they're they've really catered everything that they're doing to that direction, whether it's adding modern skill sets, whether that's, you know, accumulating assets to potentially get, you know, more uh, swings up the plate for, you know, these pl- the plethora of, of, of young prospects that are coming out next year. The Spurs know what they're doing and they identified it. And last point before I kick it to you, this organization in the past has been looked at as one that is relatively conservative, uh, doesn't really make many moves and just kind of likes to sit on their hands at times. You can definitely kind of look at that and say, yeah, they're, they're just kind of doing what they're doing, staying where they're at. Now, I think we do realize that might have been an old philosophy, but like everything in life, everything must change. And if you don't change, you're going to be stuck in the mud. And they realize, no, now it is time to make a move. And and boy, when they realized that, Noah, they made the moves, all of them. And you, I don't think any fan could complain about that, so... I'll kick it to you, brother. I know I went on a little tangent there, man, but <laughs> I think I think if you're a Spurs fan, you should be very, very excited for what just happened. Yeah, and I'm not going to get too deep into anything because we talked a lot at the beginning here, but just before we get too deep into the discussion, just want to let our listeners know, as we always do, we're recording this on June 29th. It's already 9.47 p.m., but we'll go ahead and get into the specifics of the transaction between the Spurs and the Hawks for those who did not see all the details of the trade. San Antonio received Danilo Gallinari, who Jake Fisher reports is expected to sign with the Boston Celtics once he is bought out by the Spurs. They also got a 2023 first-round pick via the Hornets that's protected 1 through 14, or actually 1 through 16 this year. They also got unprotected 2025 and 2027 first-round picks via the Hawks. And they also have the right to swap first-round picks with the Hawks in 2026. And of course, the Atlanta Hawks got DeJounte Murray, who is going to be under contract until the summer of 2024 and eligible for a max contract by the time we reach that offseason. And with the details sort of out of the way now, let's go ahead and dive into three of the most important questions surrounding what might be the biggest trade for the Spurs in their franchise history. You kind of touched on it earlier, but I'm going to go ahead and ask these questions again. What does this move sort of signal about San Antonio's direction going forward? What are the benefits and drawbacks of this full throttle rebuild and you know was this the right move for the Spurs and, and will we even know that until you know two three years down the line I'll try not to take up all the time again uh, but I think uh, for me man the only real drawback from a rebuild is the fact that you're not going to be winning very many games and to very you know various people that's going to be looked at as like a bad thing right but to call a spade a spade here and this is just out of pure respect and just you know being a being a, an observer and someone that writes they weren't winning very many games with DeJounte Murray, and they're not going to win very many games without him, right? You won 34 games last year. If this is any other team that's not your favorite team, you're probably going to say that team stinks. <laughs> Just being real here, right? And I think for San Antonio, you know, we've mentioned this, you know, whether it's the DeMar DeRozan era, now this kind of bridge DeJounte Murray era for, you know, a year, whatever the case may be. They've needed this. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone who's watched this team over the last four or five years, there's probably no team that's needed to really reset more than the San Antonio Spurs, man. I mean, other than teams like the Washington Wizards maybe or something like that, but considering where the Spurs were at at one time, you know, earlier in, the, in that previous decade to now, they've needed this. So I think it, it, it signals that, yes, they're going on a full-on rebuild, 
And the drawback is, hey, they're not going to be winning very many games over the next season or two. But the benefits are, are man, it's, it's, it's like getting 100 hours of PTO the moment you sign your, your name on the dotted line. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just think about it. Like, yeah, you're not going to win very many games, but everyone that you're looking for to, to develop will now have an opportunity to develop. And, and there is no worry, no pressure in the world when it comes to these players and the timeline that they're on. The timeline is set once you get that big-time player. So if you get my boy Vic next year or Scoot Henderson or something like that, then we can start talking timelines. But right now, there is no timeline. And the Spurs, that's fine. Like, the whole deal was they were never going to be competing. So for them to be, you know, getting into this rebuild, I, I don't see many drawbacks, if any, other than the fact you're not going to be winning because you're, you need cracks at getting a, a top-tier talent. In the NBA, in the modern NBA, you ain't winning Jack. You know what? Without that guy, right? The Spurs need that. They've always needed that. So might as well give your your yourself the most top, the most opportunities, the most swings at the plate with you know when it comes to getting a player like that. And now they're going to have that opportunity. The assets are insane. The the benefits from this potentially are going to be insane. And I think it is the right move, Noah, because I don't know if Dejounte's value will ever be higher. I, I truly don't. I don't know. How many people outside of San Antonio really watched him every game this year? He's a very talented player. He's a very good player. He's an ascending talent, but he's not a a, a you know you're, you're the best player on a championship team, right? He's arguably this is maybe a little kind of a you know you're not disrespectful, but maybe selling him short. But we don't even know if he can be the best player on a playoff team because we've never seen it, right? So let's kind of put everything into perspective here. While he's had a really good year, this is not. Nikola Jokic or Steph Curry or John Morant that got moved, right? I think this was a very good move. It signaled a rebuild, and the Spurs are finally heading in the direction that they needed to take for for a very long time. Yeah, no, I, I really can't say anything to the contrary of that. I'm not someone who believes this was a bad move. I know some fans thought that the Spurs got fleeced, but for me, you're selling high on DeJounte Murray's value at the right time because, one, as you mentioned, he's probably not a franchise cornerstone. And with him on your team, you're not bad enough to tank to just get a top pick, but you're also not good enough to make a deep run in the playoffs, let alone they didn't even make the playoffs last year. So looking at it from that point of view, they didn't really have a pathway towards adding a superstar next to him. I know, oh, we could add DeAndre Aiden or, oh, they could add Zach Levine, but those guys also are not superstars. Those are, you know, maybe a little higher tier than DeJounte, arguably not DeAndre Aiden, but you don't want a bunch of mid-level stars. You know, there's not a lot of teams that win championships like that. Yes, the Spurs did in 2014. Yes, the Pistons did it when they beat the Lakers, when they had Shaq and Kobe, back when they had, you know, Chauncey and Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace and Rip Hamilton, and they, they were great as a collective, but that almost never happens. It's a superstar league, and for me, I understand some people are going to say, well, the drawback is you have no idea what you're going to get in the draft. You don't know if you're going to get a top four pick. You don't know if you're going to get a top five or six or three pick or whatever. But for me, I've already started doing draft analysis for next season. I'm ahead of the game. And for me, I'm looking at this 2023 class. I'm looking at guys like Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, Nick Smith Jr., Osser Thompson, Amin Thompson, Derek Whitehead, Cameron Whitmore, and Derek Lively. All of those guys that I just named, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, they're all guys who could tend to go top five, top six in this past class. And at least three of those names would have contended with Paolo Bontero 
for the very top pick in this class. So for me, okay, you don't get the first pick or the second or third or fourth. This is a generational class, and I'm not the only one who's saying it. You're hearing guys like Sam Vecini say it. You're hearing guys like Rafael Barlow say it. When those kind of guys who that's their livelihood are saying that kind of thing, I trust them. And from what I, from what I have seen, I love that. And, and, and one of the other things that you had mentioned was, you know, Brian Winhurst came out and said on the Hoops Collective podcast that, you know, DeJounte told the Spurs that, you know, I'm not re-signing uh, an extension this summer, and I'm not going to sign an extension next summer. And him and his agent, Rich Paul, were telling the Spurs that early. And so if you're the Spurs, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2024. He could just walk for nothing. So if you know that there's a possibility he could walk for nothing and he is not a foundational cornerstone as a player, this was the best time to trade him. So I don't have any issues with this. I think the Spurs were a big winner for this. I'll toss it back to you. Is there anything else that when you're looking at this trade really says win or lose? And then we'll move on to the next topic. I don't know how anyone can sit here and tell me to my face, right, that the Spurs made a bad move this afternoon. I, I'm and and I'm not someone that's oh you know pessimist all this that and the third. Just being this is reality, fellas and or ladies and gents. This is this is just reality. This where the Spurs were at, where they've needed to go. The only way you're going to get to that spot is if you make moves like this. If you're proactive, if you see things before they happen, or you can see what the trajectory of this team is, you identify that and you conquer it. You take action. The Spurs did that. I I, I know I, I just don't I don't get it. I, I don't get how anyone I'm not this is no one in particular, but just in general. I know the fan base is upset right now and they're saying, oh, you know, the only kind of all star and the only, you know, direction, blah blah. Noah, kicking it back to you. With with a guy like DeJounte as your best player, what is the direction? You you mentioned you mentioned getting a guy like DeAndre Aiden or Zach Levine. They're winning. They're going from winning thirty-four games to forty games. They're, they're, it's, it's, we're we're talking. We're talking. You're still nowhere near where you want to be, and you don't. And now with the addition of a guy like that, you 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 lessen your cap space. Like you don't have assets. Like I just don't. I don't get how someone could say you know as a listener and say, hey, the Spurs they made they made a mistake. They shouldn't have done this. I think if you identify the situation just with 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 just clear eyes with with a fresh set of eyes. You would see, hey, this had to happen. It was, it was, it was a necessary thing to do. And now, I think both parties are going to be better. Noah, do you agree with that? Do you think both parties will be better off? You know, Dejounte in Atlanta and and the Spurs now with the the, the influx of assets. Do, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think overall, man, my my final my my concluding point on on the Dejounte on this you know portion of the Dejounte trade is San Antonio. If if you're a Spurs fan, right. Spurs fans, the organization, pat yourself on the back. I know it's going to be a rough season, right? You're, you're, they're not going to win very many games. Take advantage. Go, you know, get some get some nice seats for cheap. <laughs> Enjoy this season, because like Noah mentioned, next year's class is legit. If you want to equate it to a football a football kind of little little do here. It's the 2018 draft when it comes to quarterbacks. You got guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen right there, and hey. Who knows what could happen after that, right? So there's a lot of talent, and I think the Spurs identified what they needed to do. They did it, and you should be very happy with that. 
Of course, and, and you know, I do understand fans being upset. You know, DeJounte Murray worked really hard. He turned himself into this guy who was overlooked, 29th overall pick, into an all-star. I understand that. You don't want to let a homegrown guy go, a guy who's really put in the work. But, again, this is a team that just picked up a ton of assets. And just looking at these assets, the San Antonio Spurs own 21 picks and two first-round pick swaps between now and 2028. Now, people may, may come to you and say, Okay, well, what are they going to do with all those picks? That's a bunch of swings. But it's not just picks. They don't have to make all those picks. They can trade those picks for players, for other picks, to move up in the lottery, to move up in the draft. And I think that's the beauty of that. Like you said, getting ahead of the eight ball, being ahead of the curve, understanding what's in front of you, analyzing the situation, being realistic with yourself, looking yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what? It's it's time for a rebuild. And And, and the last thing I will say on this is, Spurs fans, Dame, who do they trust more than anyone else in this organization? <laughs> who? <laughs> Tell him, Noah. Tell him. Greg Popovich, him. right? They trust Greg Popovich. And Mike Finger of the San Antonio Express News says that he can confirm that Greg Popovich gave, th- gave this trade his blessing and that he is, quote-unquote, completely on board with coaching a bunch of kids next season, end quote. So, to me, it sounds like Pop isn't ready for retirement anytime soon, and he's fully okay with the rebuild and if you trust pop if you trust the organization and you, you think they know what they're doing and and we hear that from fans all the time that you got to trust pop you got to trust you know pop in the front office then do it you know let them do their job trust what they did and for once i can say i'm a hundred percent behind this right like there have been instances where me and you are you know 80 percent in or 90 percent in but i'm full throttle on this i'm completely fine with this and this kind of moves us to our next topic dame General Manager Brian Wright has now managed to turn DeMar DeRozan, Thaddeus Young, Derek White, Bryn Forbes, and DeJounte Murray into six first-round picks, three second-round picks, two first-round pick swaps, Romeo Langford, Josh Richardson, and Danilo Gallinari, who, of course, they're probably going to end up buying out. But he's done all of this within a year. So, Dame, how do you feel about Brian Wright in his, I guess, his kind of his first couple go-rounds as the main decision-maker in this front office and does this DeJounte Murray trade maybe signal that Jakob Pertl, Doug McDermott, and Josh Richardson could be on the move soon as well? I think Noah, Brian Wright has done a fantastic job. I mean, in terms of being proactive, I've said that word a hundred times, and it's something that I think really just embodies what he's what he's brought, what he's done. Uh, seeing things before they happen, attacking when it's necessary, and making the most, maximizing any and every opportunity, essentially. I mean, like you mentioned, like uh, not to be disrespectful, but you traded a bunch of you know at best you know B level players, some you know lesser than that, whether it's Derek White or Bryn Forbes or you know Thad Young, whatever, and you got six first round picks for non superstar players, right? Not only that, where the, where the Spurs are headed, where they were headed prior to this, it just makes so much sense to me. I, and you can say, oh well, you don't know anything, you know, you're not a GM or whatever. But just looking from a broad, you know, with the from a broad perspective, man, this is just what every good organization does, man, across all sports, right? They know when it's time to pull the plug, and, and the Spurs they they've shown that, right? Maybe they didn't at first with the Kawhi trade, and that, and that was you know a, a, that's a discussion we'll have another time. But man, ever since then, Noah, I don't think you can be upset at anything, any move, especially trade wise that they've made, and and I think Brian Wright's done a fantastic job. In terms of uh, your, your other question about, you know, maybe this move signaling other moves as well, uh, I mentioned on Twitter that I think 
if you're the Spurs, you probably look at trading Yaka Pirtle, especially if it nets you another first-round pick, right? A guy like Doug McDermott. The, the league loves shooting, right? Even though I think his, you know, his uh, skill set's going to be, you know, a dinosaur in a couple years. I think, hey, teams need it, right? Teams will give up, you know, a second-round pick or, heck, depending on how desperate they are, maybe a late first. Who knows? I mean, Thad Young played one game all year, basically, and netted you with a first-round <laughs> pick. So uh, it all depends on, you know, what someone will pay, uh, you know, what someone will pay for that. In terms of Josh Richardson, yeah, I could see them moving him as well. I will say I do enjoy the fact that it seems like he's he, he's kind of a like a locker room glue guy. Yeah. So for a young a young team like this, he could kind of stick around just for that reason alone. And then maybe man like the midway point, you know, near the deadline they move him. But I think guys like Jakob and Doug, I mean certainly they can be moved, especially for a first round pick. Uh, in the case of Jakob and Doug McDermott as well, I think if you're the Spurs, now is not the time either to be okay be okay with it or be done because if you have a good offer out there and i'm sure they'll take it but just you know saying it out loud if you have a good offer out there for a guy like yakapurdo or doug mcdermott you've already signaled hey this year we're not looking to compete for anything might as well just just keep it moving keep it pushing I agree with that for the most part. Yeah, I think the only guy who I would really consider, just like you said, probably Josh Richardson. He seemed to be a really good locker room guy, like you were saying. Hyped up Lonnie Walker before that game winner. He was forming a really good relationship with Primo. A lot of the young guys seemed to really like him. He never complained about his role in a losing team. He never complained about being an older guy who has proven himself and having to play behind other younger guys who may not have proven themselves. So... I like it. I love the awareness from Brian Wright, just sort of to to understand where the Spurs are right now. They're not going to make a deep playoff run, probably, with DeJounte and no one else. And just the aggression for him to flip players at the peak of their trade value, I absolutely love that. And, And sort of like on a side note here... It's interesting when we look at the Spurs, like they have feelers or, or like brand, they've branched out across the league, right? They've got guys from who used to be on their staff or used to be in the front office all across the league. And, and one of those guys is Landry Fields. You know, he used to be the assistant uh, or the general manager rather for the Austin Spurs. Then he became the assistant general manager and now general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. So it's really nice to see the Spurs working their connections because clearly they have a relationship with Landry Fields. They know who he is. They're familiar with him. He came from the organization and it just seemed like for this trade to happen, there had to be trust between between front offices that they're not going to, you know, screw each other over. So I also really feel more secure in that this is who they they did business with. So really like that. We're going to go ahead and backtrack and, and talk a little bit more about, you know, what this trade means for San Antonio this season, you know, obviously shipping DeJounte Murray across conferences leaves a glaring hole at starting point guard position. So, Dame, who do you think fills that position for head coach Greg Popovich this season? You know, is it is it someone that most fans should expect? Is it a surprise guy? Do they sign someone in free agency? But I just want to sort of get your feel for what that might look like. Oh, I think it's going to be me primo. That's what I think it's going to be, man. <laughs> I think it's going to be Josh Primo. On, on a serious note, though, I think it's going to be Josh Primo. I think the the main reason why we always heard, or the, the reason why we've heard for so long that the Spurs were really intrigued by him was the upside as a, as a playmaker, as a, as a shot creator, right? So what better way to, to test that right out of the gate next season than to start him and make him run point for you, essentially? And me and you, you and I have had our, uh, our discussions about kind of like what to really expect from him in terms of his floor and stuff like that. But we've always mentioned the swing factor here is, hey, if he can create for you, especially out of the pick and roll at a high level, oh man, you got you have a really really talented player, especially at the one size wise as well. What he's a six seven, six eight, uh, six five. 
Yeah, say so he looks kind of big. No, I think that might be a little bit cap. That might be kind of cap. The but, Spurs put that out. They they had the official yeah. height, so I, I'm gonna trust them on that one for this. Okay, one. I mean, okay, he okay. could get bigger. Who knows? I mean, he yeah. could he could have gone bigger. He looked yeah, because I know I remember last year they had him at six six, and I was like, oh, he's a little taller than Keldon. I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, no, I think I think a guy like Primo definitely running the point for you. It just makes the most sense. But even if they went with a guy like Trey Jones, obviously he can operate very well the pick and roll. I think with a team like the Spurs that runs so much of that, either one of these guys, you know, regardless of who they start. I think uh, will will be a, a fine fit there, but I would definitely lean Primo because that was the real reason why you picked him so early. So I would expect Primo to be getting those reps. And and I guess just like given Greg Popovich's history for liking guys who have a little more seasoning, a little bit more experience, I think it's probably going to be Trey Jones at least to begin the year. You know, last year he averaged thirteen and a half points, four point six rebounds, and seven and a half assists per game on forty eight point eight percent shooting across eleven starts. He also finished second in the league in assist to turnover ratio to his brother Tyus Jones, and that's out of six hundred and five players who suited up in the NBA last season. It just feels like for a young team, I understand that you want to get a young guy out there who you draft in the lottery, get him reps, but I think Trey is really the only natural playmaker, and I think you want to have some steadiness, right? You want a guy who can sort of guide you, be the floor general, game manager. I think that's who Trey Jones is. Now, by the end of the year, I fully expect it to be Josh Primo. But again, I think I—and we're not going to go too in-depth on this, but I do have some concerns with him as a primary ball handler. You know, he led the G League in turnovers per game last season. He was a guy who— you know, had his pocket picked just off the dribble at times, bringing it up from half court. Didn't really look super comfortable when guys were, you know, providing him really tight pressure or when they were using, you know, full court press or even three quarter court press. Like, I don't know if he's made, you know, a gigantic leap that he's ready for all that responsibility right away. That's why I'm going to go with Trey first. But again, I think in the end, it's going to be Josh Primo. And and I'll throw this out here just to be positive. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be this player. I actually think he's going to be a better defender than the player I'm going to comp him to. But he does show me some flashes, at least in the G League, not really in the NBA because we hardly saw him in the NBA last year in a real role. But he does remind me in flashes of Anthony Simons, you know, a guy who's able to be that sort of secondary secondary. Ball handler, a guy who can create in the pick and roll a little bit, a guy who can, you know, shoot from three off the bounce, off the catch. Someone who would be probably a really nice compliment to a true superstar. And I think that's one of the reasons Anthony Simons is going to be really good next to Dame this season. But if you can get some similar production out of a guy like Josh Primo, who I think has a similar skill set, that would be fantastic because I think Anthony Simons is on his way to being a fringe all-star to all-star player. And if you get that at 12 from a guy who's you know just 19 years old, I think you've got something really special on your hands. Not a superstar, but a player who could be really special. So I'm going to end that on an optimistic note. And then I think there's also some more to be read into for what this could mean for the rookies who... We usually don't see get a ton of court time right away, but they might get more minutes than we expect. So, Dame, I'll ask you this question as well. You know, Jeremy Sohan, I think, is probably a lock to play from day one, regardless if this trade went down. But for guys like Malachi Branham and Blake Wesley, could they be playing more minutes from day one and spending less time in Austin than we initially expected? Yeah, I I would assume so. That was one of the things I wondered, too, like kind of right out of the gate was like, well, I guess Malachi and Blake might be seeing the floor <laughs> a lot more than I was thinking <laughs> uh, without DeJounte Murray there. But, no, I, I think they should play, you know, much more than we expected. I mean, yeah, throw Malachi and Blake in there, you know, in the G League. 
you know, to start the year. But I would expect, especially around that halfway point, to kind of really have them in San Antonio for a good bit, just because it, it just makes sense, man. I mean, I've mentioned it over over and over again in this podcast that this year, this season is not one that you're looking to contend. So might as well give the reps and the opportunities to guys that you know you envision being here three, four, five years down the line. And so whether that's a guy like Blake Wesley, who, funny enough, Spurs fans, that's a guy who's been a comp to Dejounte Murray many times. <laughs> Uh, you know, and even a guy like Malachi Branham, who I really like, you know, score as, as a scorer off the bounce. If you're going to give these guys, you know, you have roles, you you envision roles for these guys later down the line. Well, might as well start that development right now. I mean, especially if, if you have the opportunity to to do so, like the Spurs will. It makes too much sense in the world. So, as far as I think a, a noteworthy, you know, portion of this as well the, of this question is, you know, San Antonio they did tender Lonnie Walker the fourth. And Joe Wieskamp, you know, they gave him some qualifying offers earlier today, so they'll be restricted free agents. Noah, I I know that was a note in the rundown, but I have a question for you, especially about Lonnie Walker. I've seen a little bit of buzz from some, you know, some on social media, but or just in general about Lonnie Walker, saying that you know maybe you could bring him back and maybe he could run point for the Spurs, right? What do you think about that? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I know that our buddy Gabe, uh, I think he's still all day sports talk on Twitter. Definitely go follow him and check his stuff out. But yeah, I don't know. I think Lonnie Walker is honestly a guy who's best when he's getting downhill, bending a defense a little bit, and then he can kick it out or he can make those little shovel passes or wraparounds to the to the big man in the dunker spot. But I don't know if we've seen a whole lot that suggests he could be like a full-time playmaker, really running an offense. I, I just, I don't trust his ball handling. I don't know if he sees the floor like that. He is a really good advantage creator just because he is so blindingly quick. He can get past anybody. You set him a high ball screen, he's getting to the rim. No doubt in my mind. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I think really you're looking at the qualifying offers and really all that does is it allows the Spurs to match any offer sheet that comes their way. Personally, I know Jake Fisher said that he doesn't expect Lonnie Walker to sign back with the Spurs, and I'm also kind of of the mindset. I don't think that DeJounte being traded really changes any of that. And, and I think one last interesting thing to throw out there was Paul Garcia of Project Spurs, capologist, one of the best in the biz right now, really, really good. So check his stuff out to follow him on Twitter, follow Project Spurs. But he also mentioned that the Spurs can basically withdraw that qualifying offer by July 13th, and he doesn't count towards the cap hit anymore. So if they really find like another free agent that they like, or maybe they want another deal or sign and trade or something, they could just go ahead and rescind that offer, and it, it, it won't matter. But for now, Lonnie Walker is like, I think, almost a $14 million cap hit, and the qualifying offer they gave him was like $6.35 million, but they don't expect him to sign that is what Jeff McDonald of San Antonio Express News was saying. So personally, I'm not buying Lonnie running point. I don't know how you feel about that. I'd love to hear that. But man, I just don't trust him at this point. It's not that I don't think he's good. I just don't know if I trust him running an offense full time. Yeah, no, I'm definitely I definitely lean on. I definitely lean on your perspective for sure. I definitely agree with that. I just think it was, it was an interesting discussion. And I mean, I understand because Lonnie Walker, man, he has flashes where you see it, you're like, wow. Imagine if he could put it all together. <laughs> but unfortunately, Noah, he hasn't put it all together. <laughs> That's why he's in this spot right now. So, no, I, I think, too, it does make sense for the Spurs on a very cheap deal, on a team-friendly kind of deal. But to be quite honest with you, man, I think it might be better for both parties to just split and the Spurs go their you know, separate way, Lonnie goes his, 
And hey, maybe something happens down the line. But as of right now, man, I think it's best for both sides just to kind of split and, and, and go off. But if that's all you have on that, man, I think it's, it definitely makes makes it very interesting about, you know, we, we, we got to talk about, you know, on the situation that DeJounte Murray, you know, now is in Atlanta. So before we close things out, how good are the Hawks <laughs> with DeJounte Murray on their current roster? And what do you think about his fit next to Trey Young, one of the most electric players in the NBA? Yeah, let's go ahead and touch on that second question first, and I'll throw it back to you for the first question. So in terms of the fit next to Trey Young, I think on paper, it looks really cool. You have two guys who are really good playmakers. One of them is a generational playmaker with generational court vision, a really good shooter. I don't know, man. I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking there's only one basketball, right? DeJounte Murray and Trey Young were fourth and, and ninth, respectively, in the NBA in touches per game last season. They're not both getting close to 100 touches per game with each other next season. And one of the things I'm questioning is, how is this marriage going to work? You know, is, is Trey going to be more off ball? Because DeJounte Murray's not really much of a threat as a shooter. We don't really know where he is as a cutter because we haven't seen him in that sort of roll off ball since he was probably a rookie or sophomore in San Antonio. So I'm kind of questioning how does this work? You know, I know that they were buddy-buddy before the trade happened and that they were liking each other's stuff and talking to each other, but... I kind of worry about the marriage offensively and then defensively. I also have a ton of questions. I think as we mentioned in the last podcast, DeJounte is an elite event creator, tons of steals, but doesn't have a lot of positional versatility, you know, mostly going to guard one through twos and then three, four and five. It's barbecue chicken. And then you look at Trey Young. If you thought DeJounte Murray was not switchable, Trey Young is literally being hunted every single possession in the playoffs all of his value comes from offense. That dude is not switching. That guy has to be guarding guys who are similarly sized or the smallest player on the floor. I just don't know how that's going to work. So I have a lot of questions there. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. You know, these NBA head coaches are a lot smarter than I, do, I am. They know their X's and O's. But, yeah, I have a lot of questions. But, Dame, how good do you think they're going to be? Because I think that's the question. How good can this Hawks roster be? I have no idea. It feels like... Pretty good, but what does that even mean? Yeah, I think pretty good is a good way to put it. <laughs> if that's so, like too much of the, <laughs> of the word "good" in one sentence, but I think they'll be solid. I think a you know fourth, you know, I think a top five seed probably. But with that said, that was one thing that I really thought about too was Dejounte doesn't really work off the ball, and Trey Young. I mean, who like I don't I don't really get it. And like you mentioned, I love the the the, the symbolism there, the, the word marriage, because everyone knows, man, when you get married, it's a lot of sacrifice, man. I'm not married. I don't know you're about it. You know, you, you got something down the line. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not easy, right? So I'm curious to see how DeJounte and Trey really play off of one another, because DeJounte, obviously, we know his bread and butter is very comfortable as a pull-up mid-range shooter. Trey Young's one of the best pull-up shooters in the league. Uh, excellent out of the pick and roll, right? One of the you know best offensive talents we've seen you know in, within the last decade, just a phenomenal talent. But like you mentioned, there is only one basketball, right? And if one of them is going to maybe you know attack off the ball a little bit more, maybe as a cutter or whatever the case may be, come off screens, whatever the case is, you know maybe some off ball gravity can kind of help them there, and the fit will be a little bit better. But I'm just really curious because. I mean, you already have a guy like Clint Capella who, you know, obviously he's he's not not an offensive threat, right, in terms of shooting and everything like that. You can run a lineup with with Bogdanovich and John Collins and, and you know, DeJounte and Trey Young. So you'll have some shooting there as well. But 
I'm just really curious again, like we both have been talking about, there is only one basketball. And I don't know, you know, which guy is better off the ball or even if they can really gel off the ball or, you know, off of one another. And typically whenever we see teams like this that really have really, you know, solid, strong, you know, high usage players against one another, with one another, sometimes it doesn't work out, man. I mean, we just saw this year with the Nets, right? So I think there's a lot, a lot to look for, uh, a lot of questions. But on paper, regardless of these these questions that we have, they should be a very good, a, a good, pretty good, solid, you know, team in the Eastern Conference. I would assume a top five seed, and uh, I, I I'm excited to watch them. I think it was a this deal, this split, you know, San Antonio and Dejounte is going to be best for both sides. You will see what happens, man. I I just. I'm also looking at the John Collins thing. Like, he clearly was not happy in Atlanta. He felt like he deserved more touches, more minutes, more shots. You're bringing in DeJounte Murray, who we just talked about it. He had the fourth most touches per game in the NBA last season. Trey, again, ninth most touches in the NBA per game last season. Like, how does that work for him? Do they still want to offload him? And then you look at the rest of that roster, at least the guys who are under contract right now, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Werder, DeAndre Hunter, Onyeko Kongu, Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper. Those last three names, more so Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper, they like didn't play at all for the Hawks last season. And that's your eighth and ninth guy on your roster. So how do they fill it out? Because I was looking, and right now they're at that like luxury tax line. So I'm not a capologist. I don't know all the details, but it kind of sounds like they don't have a lot of flexibility in terms of their caps. So I wonder what they do to sort of improve the roster. Do they move on from John Collins? What does this roster look like on opening night? They're just, I think it's its its funny because, like you said, no marriage is easy. There's always that honeymoon phase. You're really, you know, you're ready to go. You're so happy to see that person. And I'm sure that they're, they're going to have that honeymoon phase. But if there's a struggle at the beginning or if there's a struggle all the way into the All-Star break, what does that look like? So, interesting I'm wishing DeJounte Murray the best. You know, he he really didn't do anything except for, you know, put his head down, work with what, you know, his God-given gifts, had an incredible work ethic, got better each and every year. So, like, I have nothing against DeJounte. This is, and I'm sure the same thing for you. This just felt like a move that needed to be done. And sometimes it, it's going to hurt at the beginning. It sucks to lose an all-star. It, 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 it is not fun to lose games. But at the end of the day, it just feels right. It feels like they picked a definitive direction. And I think that's all you can ask of a franchise. You don't want to be, you know, dipping your feet on both sides of the pool. You, you want to know what they're doing. And now we do. You know, now we know what they're doing. So, Dame, I'll throw it to you one last time for any closing thoughts you have before we really round this thing out. I think I just want to end with one thing, man. Change is scary, but so is, say- so is staying the same, man. And the Spurs, they needed a change. You, there's two evils. You got to go with one that's going to benefit you. That's the most fruitful. And so the changes they made were necessary. And I think, you know, a couple of years from now, when we look back at this podcast, we'll be like, man, this set the tone for San Antonio getting back to at least some sort of winning. I think this move right here sets the tone. Like I mentioned with the Derek White podcast, whenever we talked about Derek being moved, <laughs> that this is going to set the tone for what's to come and the Spurs are going to be making moves. Here we go again. So, yeah, no, it was awesome, man. I, I enjoyed it. We got a late night pod, man, but it was all worth it, man. This is really dope. It was a good show. Absolutely, and that's all we have for tonight's emergency podcast on that stunning DeJounte Murray trade. I don't even know if I was ready to believe it until I, I saw it 
come across my screen from Woj, from Shams. That's when I was like, oh my God, it is real. But free agency begins tomorrow. We'll probably be back for, for more rumor, more news. But man, I, I really just appreciate you for hopping on the mic on such short notice late at night after you get off work. So go ahead and plug anything you want. Let Spurs fans know where they can follow you on social media, where they can find all of your amazing basketball content or any content that you want to put out there. So the, the floor is yours, Dame. And again, thank you so much for hopping on the mic here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Anytime, anytime we need to talk, man, you know, we're, we're already on here. We got to do it. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, shout out to all the Spurs fans. Uh, y'all were blowing up my TL today. It was really, really nice. All the love. <laughs> I had a, I had a banger tweet dropping when I said, um, we're going to be going to Spurs games next year, $89 with the Whataburger included. So, but now go ahead and follow me on Twitter, y'all at DA Bartonic. That's at D-A-B-A-R-T-O-N-E-K. Check out Great Day SA, you know, this is today's Wednesday, so Thursday and Friday, because uh, I'll definitely have my fingerprints on the sports segments on that show, because <laughs> we're going to be talking. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So yeah, check out all my all my content. Everything's in the bio. And uh, subscribe to the show. Shout out to SB Nation, man. They've opened a lot of doors for us. Absolutely. And you can find me at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O on Twitter. As Dame said, you can find our SB Nation work over on Pounding the Rock. We're doing everything Spurs over there. But thanks again for joining me, Dame. And thanks again to everybody who tuned into this edition of Alamo City Limits. And for those of you listening at home, make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got a fantastic staff of writers over at Pounding the Rock who do a wonderful job of keeping everybody up to date with their favorite team. So check our stuff out. But until next time, Spurs fans, take care.